0: You're listening to a Music and Talk episode where full songs and talk segments play together only on Spotify. Best of all, you can create your own music and talk show for free with Anchor, Spotify's podcasting platform. Get started at anchor.fm slash musicandtalk. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash M-U-S-I-C-A-N-D-T-A-L-K. A lot of spelling there, but just do it. I am haunted by a face on the cover of We Can't Be Stopped, an album by the Houston rap group The Ghetto Boys. Not that face. Another face. This is 1991. There are three Ghetto Boys at this point, Three rappers, primarily. There is rap battle legend and amateur Golden Gloves boxer William James Dennis, a.k.a. Willie D., There is Brad Jordan, a.k.a. Scarface. Even before Scarface the rapper joined the Ghetto Boys, the Ghetto Boys were obsessed with Scarface the movie, whereas Scarface the rapper had not yet seen Scarface the movie when he first named himself Scarface. Finally, there is Richard Stephen Shaw, a.k.a. Bushwick Bill who died of cancer in 2019. Bushwick Bill stood three feet, eight inches tall. One of his early showcases as a rapper was a ghetto boy song called Size Ain't Shit. In 1991, Bushwick Bill got shot in the right eye. Accounts vary as to how this happened. Accounts from Bushwick Bill vary. He has said that he got shot in the eye during a dispute with his girlfriend, the dispute being that he wanted his girlfriend to shoot him. Many years later, Bill would say that it was actually a dispute with his mother, the dispute being that he wanted his mother to shoot him so that she might collect on his life insurance policy. A blunt laced with PCP factored into that plan, according to Bill. Either way, Bushwick Bill gets shot in the right eye. He goes to the hospital. He will lose the eye. His friends converge at the hospital to visit him, but also... At the urging of their manager and/or the brain trust at their record label, Houston's Rap-A-Lot Records, they also end up shooting the cover photo for the next Ghetto Boys album, "We Can't Be Stopped." I sit alone in my four-cornered room, staring at candle. My name is Rob Harvilla. I'm a music critic at The Ringer, and this podcast is called "60 Songs That Explain the '90s." Today, we're talking about "Mind Playing Tricks on Me." the biggest song on that album, the biggest song of the ghetto boys career all of them together or solo, one of the biggest songs in the history of Houston rap, of southern rap. And one of the best songs hip hop or otherwise about mental illness, about paranoia and isolation and hallucinations and fear and guilt and suicidal thoughts. That was Scarface's voice warming up. He flipped the Isaac Hayes sample He produced the song. He brought it to the Ghetto Boys rather than save it for a solo album. He rapped two verses and also helped write Bushwick Bill's verse. He's a team player. Further evidence of this can be seen on the cover of We Can't Be Stopped. Bushwick Bill is in the center of the frame. He's propped up on a gurney. It wasn't really his gurney in a hospital gown. He's holding a giant 1991 cell phone to his left ear. He wasn't really calling anybody. And at his handlers urging... He's got the patch over his right eye pulled down so you can see the wound, which is extremely real. I guess we have to call this iconic. It's gross. It's shocking. It's famous, infamous, as album covers go, hip-hop or otherwise. Somehow, he's not the guy who really haunts me. It's Scarface. Willie D is standing to Bill's right. He's resplendent in purple, and he's sort of pretending to push the gurney. He doesn't look totally at ease, but relatively, he's rolling with this. But standing to Bill's left, Scarface has got one hand on the gurney and one hand on his cane, but he's hanging back like he's trying to will himself out of the frame entirely. He's shrinking, as Scarface does not, in any sense, shrink. And there's this look on his face of just such total haunting discomfort, disgust even as much emotional as physical. Many years later, in his autobiography, Scarface would recall, as he often did in other interviews, this scene, quote, Someone must have told us to dress like we were going to a photo shoot because we had all of our gear on. But once I got to the hospital and saw how fucked up Bill was, I wasn't down with that shit. It was too raw. That's why I have that look on my face in the picture, like, holy fuck. But I was a team player. Headlight, I can't sleep. i toss and turn. in the dark, Visions of bodies being burned. There is such an enormous vulnerability and empathy to this song. You wouldn't call it nuance exactly, but it's alarmingly direct. The Ghetto Boys made for excellent cartoon supervillains and culture war scapegoats and censorship poster boys. They were the boogeyman. They reveled in it. The song right before Mind Playing Tricks on Me on the album is called Chucky the killer doll from the horror movie Child's Play, Bill is obsessed with that movie as well. It's Bushwick Bill's first extended ode to Child's Play. Incidentally, the third song in that series would appear in 2009 on Bushwick Bill's gospel album, Yeah, and would be called No More Child's Play. But let's just say that Mind Playing Tricks on Me is also about sleepwalking in its way, but it's not played as comedy or as a threat or a taunt. It's a reminder that horrorcore, as garish and gory rap music of this sort is often described, isn't necessarily fueled by cinematic or fantastical horror. Real life is horrible enough. The cover of We Can't Be Stopped is horror. The fact that the cover of We Can't Be Stopped is a cynical and exploitive stunt to sell a song as sensitive and traumatized as Mind playing tricks on me, that's horror. In one of those many interviews about the cover, Scarface once said, it's hard to wake up in the morning and deal with that one. Just add it to the pile of reasons he can't sleep. James Prince, the founder and CEO of Rappalot Records, put the first Ghetto Boys lineup together in the mid-80s, and that lineup would mutate constantly. The group's first song from 1986 was called Car Freak, and their first album from 1988 was called Making Trouble. And at this point, Willie D and Scarface aren't involved at all, and Bushwick Bill is only involved as a hype man and dancer, and the album's sound... As provided by DJ Ready Red, with Sire Jukebox and Prince Johnny C rapping over top, is extremely run DMC. Here's an excerpt from a song called No Curfew about their desire to not have a curfew.
1: So, the motor back. Like a a no
0: curfew. so this didn't last. Jay Prince's first big revelation was to let Bushwick Bill rap and also to replace those earlier rappers with Houston natives, Willie D and Scarface, who usually wrote Bushwick Bill's rhymes. Willie D apparently won a billion rap battles in a row at a mythic Houston club called the Rhinestone Wrangler. There's a great book of interviews called Houston Rap Tapes, where he brags about beating Vanilla Ice there a bunch of times. Quote, I fucked him up like I fucked everybody else up. You could say he flew like a harpoon, daily and nightly. The other big revelation was to stop trying to sound like they were all from New York City, or sound like New York City, or sound like they wish they were in New York City. They were proud to rep Houston, and of course inspired thousands of other Houston rappers to be proud of being from Houston. But even better, they helped establish the idea of being proud of wherever you were from, even if it wasn't New York or L.A., Dallas, Memphis, Cleveland, Flint, Atlanta, wherever. Starting with 1989's Grip It on that other level, you know what the Ghetto Boys represent and where they're coming from and where they want to go and who Willie D, for starters, is willing to steamroll to get there. It's time to step on some motherfucking toes.
1: Nah, dude. Man, fuck them hoes. These coast ain't playing our
0: songs. I want to know what the hell's going on. You explain it to him. Grip It did get a great deal of attention and praise. It got a perfect five-mic review in the Source. That record also got Rick Rubin's attention. I don't need to clarify this, but that's Rick Rubin, rap rock kingmaker, still basking in the afterglow of the Beastie Boys' license to ill. He signs the Ghetto Boys to his new Deaf American label. He suggests they change the spelling of their name from G-H-E-T-T-O to just G-E-T-O for commercial purposes. He's a genius. And he works on a self-titled 1990 remix album, mostly reworked older songs, a few new ones, including Size Ain't Shit, lyrical content spanning from murder to rape to necrophilia and whatnot. That's another big philosophical change in this era. We've moved beyond the curfew issue. Ghetto Boys is a great album, but Geffen Records, which distributes Deaf Americans albums, refuses to distribute it due to the murder and necrophilia and whatnot. The cover of Ghetto Boys, in fact, is remarkable in its own right. It looks like the Beatles' Let It Be, Except it's Bill, Willie, Scarface, and Reddy Red taking mugshots. And at one point, the CD had a sticker that read quote, Deaf American recordings as opposed to censorship. Our manufacturer and distributor, however, do not condone or endorse the content of this recording, which they find violent, sexist, racist, and indecent. Which brings us to We Can't Be Stopped. DJ Reddy Red worked on the album but left before it was finished. Accounts vary, but in that Houston Rap Tapes book, he cites funky arithmetic. But you can still hear his voice on the title track, and you can also hear the Ghetto Boys observe that Geffen Records proudly distributed the likes of Guns N' Roses, or for that matter, shock comic Andrew Dice Clay. Even the manufacturers wouldn't press out this.
1: You know it wasn't fair. Fuck everybody who
0: worked there. Bushwick Bill saying fuck everybody who worked there cracks me up every time. I don't know why. The ghetto boys were irate and they were nasty. You did not want to get caught with this tape in your Walkman at school. But they were also funny and charismatic even at their nastiest. They'd received at this point a quite incendiary mixture of respect and disrespect. A muzzle can be a bullhorn. So We Can't Be Stopped has a song called Gotta Let Your Nuts Hang. Scarface is for it. It has a sort of answer song to Queen Latifah's Ladies First called I'm Not a Gentleman in which Willie D raps about the idea of male chivalry. He's against it. Willie says the song was his girlfriend's idea. It has a Bushwick Bill showcase called The Other Level about a threesome. He had one. The question of whether any of this has aged well, musically or otherwise, is very much the wrong question, though I will note that there's another quite striking Bushwick Bill showcase called Fuck a War. This referring to the first Gulf War. But Mind Playing Tricks on Me drops on all this like a bomb, in that all three rappers are suddenly shell-shocked and plagued by fear and doubt and remorse, and confronting terrifying demons who turn out to be imaginary. It's shocking in an entirely different way to hear Willie D. start bragging, but immediately pivot to a much frailer and darker place. I make big money. I drive big cars. Everybody know me. It's like I'm a movie star, but late at night. Something ain't right. I feel I'm being tailed by the same sucker's headlights. Willie ditches his car and prepares for a gunfight that turns out to involve three blind, crippled, and crazy senior citizens who aren't armed and weren't tailing him. Bushwick Bill gets in a Halloween brawl that turns out to involve zero other people and leaves him bashing his bloody fists into the pavement. It wasn't even Halloween, whereas Scarface ends up just staring at the woman on the corner. This is Scarface's show. His sample of Isaac Hayes's Hung Up On My Baby is easily the prettiest moment in the whole Ghetto Boys catalog, to the extent that the group ever aspired to prettiness at all. And he sets the lyrical tone on Mind Playing Tricks On Me, too. He gives himself nowhere to hide and encourages his partners to stop hiding. I often drift when I drive having fatal thoughts of suicide bang and get it over with and then i worry free but that's bullshit. i often drift when i drive gets me every time too for entirely different reasons scarface's autobiography diary of a madman starts with a suicide attempt when he's 13 and not his first attempt he winds up in the mental health wing at houston international hospital he leaves there of course but part of you never leaves there You can hear it in his voice, where he's been, what he's seen, what he's felt, no matter how cartoonish or outrageous or wildly offensive any one song might get. He writes a lot about this, how people in the industry were so quick to condemn the ghetto boys, but not the environment that made the ghetto boys. Quote, they always wanted to say that we were glorifying violence or the street life or drug dealing or sex or whatever it was. Anything that made them uncomfortable, we were glorifying it. I never understood that we weren't glorifying shit it was just there how do you glorify reality discover why critics are calling kingdom of the planet of the apes the best film of the franchise
1: what a wonderful day it's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible We need to go hang on it is our time
0: Bushwick Bill gets the last verse on Mind Playing Tricks on Me. It starts with him and the other ghetto boys robbing trick or treaters, because of course it does, but soon they're in a fight with a six or seven foot lawman he's seen in his sleep. His deepest, darkest fantasies tell you a lot about his reality.
1: It was dark as fuck on the streets. My hands were all bloody for punching on the concrete.
0: There'd be four more Ghetto Boys albums after this, though only two would bring all three of these guys back together. There'd be plenty of great solo stuff, particularly from Scarface, who'd revisit this song on his best album, 1994's The Diary. Bushwick Bill was a singular force until he died. But in another sense, the Ghetto Boys will never leave the world of mind-playing tricks on me, still swinging at ghosts, at figments of their own imaginations that maybe aren't imaginary at all. And they're still trapped on the We Can't Be Stopped album cover, which Bushwick Bill regretted, too. He once said, Quote, it still hurts me to look at that cover because that was a personal thing that I went through. I still feel the pain from the fact that I've got a bullet in my brain. To see that picture only brings it back more so. End quote. He goes on to say that they endangered him. They took out his IV. They had him pull down his eye patch. And he could tell, looking at the cover years later, how wildly uncomfortable Scarface was too. It's not paranoia if they're really out to get you. But at least they're staring down their demons together. My guest today is Kiana Fitzgerald, who is based in Texas and writes for NPR, The Cuts, Billboard, Texas Monthly, and many other fine publications. Thank you so much for being here, Kiana. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, When Bushwick Bill died in 2019, you wrote a really beautiful obituary for Rolling Stone and talked about how important his music was to your family. What do the Ghetto Boys and Mind Playing Tricks on Me in particular mean to you?
1: So I've um, known about this song since I was very, very young. I um, was introduced to it through my mother. And she was someone who lived with depression and other mental health issues. So when she heard the song for the first time, it came out in 1991, um, she was just blown away and she would play it every chance she got. So Mm -hmm. I was born in 89. I was only a couple of years old. And I just remember being in car rides, going out to the country and just hearing the song on repeat, hearing that. Isaac Hayes bass line, just, Dun-na-na-na. you know, it was just like <laughs> riding deep with my family. So um, yeah. it was a really, really um, instrumental part of my
0: childhood. Yeah. It's funny because I've always thought of the ghetto boys as like teenage rebellion music, right? Like that's who you play when you're trying to terrorize your parents. Like what changes for you? <laughs> what changes for you about this music when it's actually your mother recommending it and enjoying it with you?
1: Yeah. So for me, it was, um it just kind of blew open my world in terms of um taking in music that I necessarily wouldn't have found on my own, or if I did find it, it wouldn't have come until years later. So for her to just kind of plot me in the middle of it from a toddler's age, you know, it really gave me the ability to listen to artists these days, like the late Tentacion, like right. DMX, like Zero, who's from Texas, um, these artists who are really, really delving into what it means to be emotionally unstable, but also finding their own truth within it. I feel like I owe everything to my mother in that respect.
0: Yeah. I always feel like there are more rap songs than we think that talk about depression and mental health and suicide. Like, Mind Playing Tricks on Me is a famous example, but it's not a total anomaly. Like, does this song stand apart for you in terms of its subject matter? Or are there other songs or artists that you associate with it?
1: There are definitely other artists. Um, as I mentioned, DMX. I mentioned yeah. Zero.
0: His pretty much
1: Zero's entire discography is about mental health and substance abuse and trying to fight back through personal demons. But I feel like this song is so special because it was one of the first. And right, not only right. was it one of the first, it was uh, one of the first to really dive headfirst into everything that it means to be in a world that does not feel like it's your own in a brain that doesn't feel like it's your own they're very very descriptive they're very personable in their delivery and i feel like that's what sets the song apart
0: yeah the ghetto boys history and discography gets pretty convoluted like the different lineups a lot of time passes like Mm -hmm. is is this song the absolute peak for them or are there other ghetto boys songs or eras like either together or solo that like don't get the respect or attention that you wish they would
1: Sure. Um, wow. So when you said together or solo, um, I just immediately thought about Scarface and his sure. album, The Diary. Um, mm-hmm. That project is one of the most haunting, chilling, but beautiful pieces yeah. of work that have ever been produced by hip hop artists or otherwise. But other than Scarface's solo work, I would say um, people who are familiar with the Office Space soundtrack, Damn <laughs> um, It Feels Good to Be a Gangsta, still, right. those songs are very incredible, but also... There's a song on the resurrection called The World is a Ghetto, and Mm. it's just one of the most poignant tracks that they've put together. I think it's really special, and I think that it really speaks to what was going on at the time in the 90s when they made it, and it really reflects a lot of what we're going through today.
0: Yeah. I was listening to Till Death Do Us part today and Scarface said some people were born dying, I was born killing. And like mm. I woke up on my lawn like several hours later and it was like, I had no idea what happened, but it was yeah. awesome. Like Scarface is great. And the di- <laughs> the diary is great. Like I, I read his autobiography and like you listen so to his I, song. Yeah. I Seen a Man Die, but like he makes very clear that you know that like he actually has seen a man die. Like it's just yeah. the it was so real to him. You know, it was just not at all as cartoonish as the Ghetto Boys could appear at times. Like, it was exactly just, it was entirely real to yeah. them. Um, what do people who aren't from Texas get wrong about Houston rap? Like, what stereotypes were the Ghetto Boys dealing with? And like, as a fan, what stereotypes are you maybe still dealing with today?
1: Of course, um... The major thing that I think people are still having trouble getting over today, artists from the South, is people feel like we're slow and lazy. People Mm. feel like uh, we can't spit down here and like we can't really deliver and be hard. And the Ghetto Boys uh, with this song, they showed that you could have personality and you could also deliver really, really compelling lines that move you and shake you to your core. They are really, um, just great at being precise and incisive and direct. And they really showed everybody that Houston could be a city that produces really great lyricists.
0: Yeah. I mean, Bushwick Bill had a great solo career. You know, he had a gospel album, you know, yeah. it sounds like a joke, but it absolutely wasn't like that's a wonderful album and like yeah. the last thing you would expect from him. But it works when he does it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to um, you know write the obituary for Rolling Stone about his life because as someone who is bipolar myself, I've also mm. been slapped with a schizophrenic diagnosis a time or two. As someone who deals with those issues, I'm able to look back and listen back to those projects and those songs and feel understood in ways that I never imagined when I was like 10 years old listening to it initially.
0: Yeah, you know, like Kanye or Kid Cudi or Drake. Like, I feel whenever a rapper now is open about his feelings or even his mental health, like it's treated as this unheard of revolutionary thing. Where of Mm -hmm. course it's part of this long lineage. Like, but on the other hand, is this kind of openness like more prevalent in rap now than it was in the early '90s? Like, were the Ghetto Boys at all revolutionary? Like at the time?
1: Yeah, the the Ghetto Boys were definitely revolutionary at the time, and I would say these days it's less shocking and jarring. To hear someone rap about wanting to commit suicide, trigger warning. And, um, you know, just, uh, people who have just a different way of living life and a different set of lived experiences. It's really, Mm -hmm. um, a song. Mind Playing Tricks on Me is just a song that sits in its own level. In my mm-hmm. opinion, but it definitely opened the door for a lot of these, these new artists, especially these kind of punk rap emo quote unquote rappers, right. um, who are, who are out here now. I mentioned XXX earlier, um, ski master sump god. You know, there are many, many artists, Space Ghost perp. Oh my gosh. He's one that, um, has been very open about his mental health and yeah. the fact that he is proud to be someone who produces music and creates, even though he has this, this stigma attached to uh, the things that he's been diagnosed
0: with right are there any rappers or groups around now that strike you as carrying on the ghetto boys legacy in particular like do you see that as a direct lineage like in terms of either the controversy they caused or the vulnerability that they were Mm -hmm. capable of
1: i mean as difficult as it is to like really wrap my mind around what he's doing i think kanye west has a very very big opening for him to be able to break this entire thing into a new realm in terms of how we talk about mental health how we um, discuss the things that people live with every single day. He's touched on it a little bit in his songs, you know, he'll be like, oh, they take me on meds, off meds, but you know, this Mm -hmm. is my superpower. And it's like, as someone who lives with it myself, I understand what he's saying and I agree with him to an extent, but he won't go further than that. And so that's why I'm a little hesitant to say that he's kind of carrying the torch. But aside from that, um, Yeah, I can't really think of any. I mean, Kid Cudi, obviously. Um, I think Schoolboy Q is doing some really interesting stuff. You wouldn't necessarily look at him and think that he's like a mentally like emotional rapper. But his most recent album, Crash Talk, was like, it sounded like the world had ended. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I know this is depression. Like, that's what this is.
0: Yeah, and with Kanye, like, as shocking as the We Can't Be Stopped album cover is, like, Kanye put the word bipolar, like, on an album cover, which I don't think that had ever been done before.
1: No, yeah, that was a huge deal. That was a huge deal.
0: Well, thank you so much, Kiana.
1: Of course. This was wonderful. Thank you.
0: Thanks very much to our guest, Kiana Fitzgerald, to our producers, Isaac Lee and Justin Sales, and to you, of course, for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then. Here's Mind Playing Tricks on Me by The Ghetto Boys.